We're in the middle of a series called Fight. Look around you. People are kind of liking this series. We've had great attendance over the last couple of weeks, and it's been really awesome. We're in this series called Fight, and here's the question that we are challenging ourselves with. Are we willing to fight for our families instead of fighting with our families? Are we willing to fight for our families instead of fighting with our families? Because that is a huge difference in those two questions. Two completely different things. And so in the Old Testament, there's a man who went back home to where he grew up, um, to his family. And when he got there, he was devastated because what he saw was his people were devastated. They were once a strong, powerful, feared nation of Israel, but now their walls were in shambles. They were all broken down. Not only were they broken down, but the people themselves, all of their hope was broken. All of their lives were discouraged, and he just couldn't stand it. So he decided that he was going to do something about it. He determined that he was going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and return Jerusalem to this great, powerful city where they would build these walls that would keep evil out from their family and keep safety within those walls. But it was going to come with some opposition, some serious opposition. Nehemiah knew it was the right thing to do, but it was going to be a fight because they were going to be fighting for their lives, fighting for their very lives. And so in this series, we have been gaining principles from that story as we are learning together how to fight for our families and for this family. Last week, Brian challenged us as men to fight from the position of strength that God has given us as men, to be men of prayer, to be willing to choose the cheat, to choose to cheat the things that are robbing us of the life that God has for us, and instead to choose the things that are most important that we are finding in this story. It was a great message. This week, we're going to have the opportunity to just kind of address specifically our women, like we did our men last week. And just like Brian said, these, this conversation is going to be for everybody because we're talking about the Word of God and we're talking about the women and the role that, that they can play. But this is something that all of us, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a gal, or whether you're a man, this is going to be a great thing. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to invite a couple of guests to our stage this morning, and we're just going to have about a 30-minute conversation, and you are going to get an opportunity to listen in. It went pretty good last um, service, but it's kind of free-flowing, and so I'm not exactly sure where it's going to go, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to welcome with me, if you will, our senior pastor's wife, Amy Beloy, and our lead pastor of ministry's wife, Angela Richardson, to our stage for this conversation. Let's give them a big round of applause. All right, all right. Welcome, ladies. All righty. Give you a little hug. All right. Thanks for that welcome. I loved that video. That was awesome. Where did we get that? That was actually a Super Bowl commercial last year. And I love it because, you know, we're taught what it means to fight like a girl, but you ask these little girls what it means, and they're like, they're like fierce. They're like little warriors. They're weak yet. Yes. They still think they're beasts. Yes. Love it. So it's awesome. I loved it too. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Awesome. That sounds like fun. Well, listen, so here's the situation. So we have gotten together, and I just want to tell you, we've gotten together, and we've talked about a few things that we are going to discuss in the next half hour or so. But there are some things that might come out that we didn't prepare for, and what was what's going to make this kind of interesting and kind of fun. And so I want to start, if I can, with a little bit of an unscripted question, if that's all right. Because here's the situation. We get the opportunity to hear Pastor Brian and Pastor Paul speak uh, most of the times here on Sunday mornings, and we get to hear about your families, but they're always making a spiritual point kind of when they're talking about their families. And so we just want to, I just want to ask you guys what it's like to grow up in the Richardson and the Bloy house. I mean, what it's really like. I mean, we want to hear the dirt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we want to hear what it's really like from the mom's perspective. So, so tell me, what's it like to grow up really? in the Bloy and the Richardson house. You go first. Oh, great. (laughs) Well, we could talk about this all day long. Um, Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we all have made so many mistakes in the parenting world. And I think, um, I think I could share probably one of my most embarrassing moments as a mom was back when my, my boys were toddlers, one of my favorite things to do with them was we would go to yard sales Am I going to witness? Anybody yard sale? (laughs) Yard sailors out here. We've got one person, a man on the front row. Um, But it was such a cheap, fun activity. I would give them like four quarters. And back then, you know, they thought that was like really something. And um, one day I was driving with the boys in the car and I saw this yard sale that looked like like in yard sale world, it was like heaven. I mean, it was a treasure trove. It was full. The whole yard was just full. So I pull over. I actually pulled in the grass. There wasn't anywhere to park. And um, I gave the boys some quarters and they take off. They start traipsing through the yard. And about that time, there was a movie that had come out. Some of you guys may know it. It was called Nomeo and Juliet. And there was this little garden gnome in the yard, and my younger son, Wesley, picked it up, and he was like, it's Nomeo. And so he really wanted this garden gnome. So um, I asked the lady who was sitting on the front porch, I said, will you take 50 cents for this garden gnome? And she just kind of looked at me, like, puzzled, and she was like, it's not for sale. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, put it back, Wesley. That one's not for sale. You're going to have to find something else. Well, a few minutes later, I asked her, I said, can I ask what you're asking for this golf cart in your front yard? And she got a little more stir. She kind of like sat back and she crossed her arms and she just looked at me and she just went, it's not for sale. And about that time, my older son, Will, starts kind of stepping over to me and he has this look on his face and I started to think, oh my gosh, this is not a yard sale. (laughs) And we had just shopped their front yard as if, you know, we were in business. And I, I have to tell you, I did a horrible thing in that moment. I didn't even say goodbye to this woman. I didn't apologize. I was like, kids, get in the car. We're leaving. I backed out. I probably ripped up her grass. And then I thought about the fact that that it was in and around this community. And I thought, if that woman, if you're in here today, I just want to tell you. <laughs> Clean up your yard. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to each his own, 
your yard is beautiful. It still <laughs> caught my eye. And, you know, yard sales for the win. But um, so I did apologize to you just now, I guess, years later. <laughs> so that's going to be hard to talk. I know. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> so what's it like to grow up in the Bloy house? Well, what, I knew give us a story. See, I knew Steve was going to ask us something like this, so I've been going through the bad parenting files in my mind and trying to find something suitable to share in church. But um, <laughs> when Taylor, our oldest son, was really little, he was incredibly strong-willed, like so much so I thought I was going to lose my mind. And it's such a God thing now because despite our crazy parenting, um, God has has grown him up and he's almost 21 and he's a great man. And so for all you young moms out there who think you're just going to die and they'll never grow up, they do. And despite all of us and our crazy parenting, you know, God has a way of of growing our kids up. But we were um, driving in the van one day and it was pouring down rain. And we had one of these little Furbies. Now, I'm not sure if my mother-in-law is in this service or not, but she had um, bought a little Furby animal, stuffed animal thing for Taylor. And they're, they're kind of expensive. And they flap their wings and bat their eyes, and they make these hideous um, sounds, and you don't know when they're going to start talking and gibbering. And so Taylor was just having a fit. He was freaking out like he did every single day. And I said, you settle down now or this Furby's going out the window. And he just freaked out screaming. And I rolled down my window and I chucked Furby out. And, um, and he's like shocked and he just went ballistic. So I called Brian and I said, just want you to know the Furby that your mom got, Taylor, is laying on the corner of 92 and Ridge Road. And if you want to go get him, you can. And he's like, what? You threw my mom's Furby out the window? And I said, well, I was contemplating throwing Taylor out the window, so you should be really glad I just threw Furby out. And he did. He went and got him, and he washed him off, and he was lying in the mud, like, doing his eyes. And his eyes I was with Brian. I was with Brian when he got that call. And I remember going, you threw my mom's Furby out the window. <laughs> no, I'm like, I hated that Furby anyway. He said, listen, I know we're talking about the importance of people's lives, but I've got to go save Furby. <laughs> and uh, away he went. That's awesome. <laughs> See, we go way back. Those are, those are great stories. So we're in this series um, called Fight. And um, we're talking about fighting for our families. And last week, you know, we talked about the men. And we're talking really specifically about our women today. So in light of that, what would you guys say is the number one way that our ladies today can fight for their families as women? What would you say? All right. Well, I wrote some of these. I wrote some things down to to help us as we're having this conversation. And I was just thinking that some things aren't really worth fighting for. You know, we have to decide what's really worth fighting for. And then when I decide that something is that valuable, I want to use my best weapons possible. And and one of those best weapons certainly is prayer. And there's this book called Praying the Bible for Your Kids. And what and the premise behind the whole book is just that you take the Bible, verses in the Bible, and you read them to God and say, God, I want, I want to read this to you or pray this to you for my kids, for my husband, for my friends, or my coworkers. And it's like saying, God, these promises that you made, this is my prayer for them. And sometimes we just tend to kind of pray for people by name, but we can do so much more than just call their name out to God. So I wrote down a few things that, um, that I'm actually praying for, for my family right now. And I thought that some of them might be helpful if you want to grab one or two or write them down, but I'm praying right now for wisdom 
for my family, for my boys, and the decisions that they're making, and for discretion. The book of Proverbs talks so much about having discretion and being wise, and I'm praying that their hearts would be bent towards God, that as they're growing, they would naturally want to seek after God, and that they would walk with Him. And so I'm praying for hope for our kids, especially when they go through crazy stuff and injuries and discouraging times. I'm praying that God will give them hope, and I pray for boldness, that they would be bold, um, that they would have great opportunities in their lifetime, and that God would give them incredible success and favor. And I don't think those are bad things to pray for. Like God tells us in the Bible, you know, that we can pray that, that these great things will happen. I'm praying that that they'll have favor with people, and that God would bring godly influences into their lives. I'm praying for my future daughters-in-law, even though I'm not sure who they are right now. I'm praying for my grandchildren, even though they they are not even born yet. And I'm just saying, God, would you let everyone down my family line so far that I won't even be here to know who they are? Would you let them all accept you as their Savior and walk with you, that we would be faithful? I'm praying for our purity as a family. Um, this day and age, it's so hard for our kids to, to have pure hearts and walk before God that way, and we have to pray for them. I'm praying for friends. Zach's getting ready to go to college in the fall, and I'm praying for his roommates. I'm praying that God will give him great friends that um, he can influence and that influence him in a great way and that they have a blast. I'm praying for Brian's leadership, that God would keep temptation away from us for um, protection from evil and wicked people. And I'm praying for confidence, that my boys would be confident because of Christ and what he's done. You know, most, most everybody wants to be prayed for, right? Like yeah. we all like it yeah. when somebody prays for us. Even atheists, when they have some horrible tragedy, they want you to pray to the God that they don't even believe in, yeah. don't they? And so um, I think one way we can fight is by listening and saying, how can I pray for you? And then listen, even put our arms around him when Zach comes home from school and, you know, has had an awful day. I can fight by listening to him and put my arm around him and saying, all right, I'm going to pray for you. And we'll pray about that together. Um, Colossians 4, Colossians 1, 9 says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I so agree with that. And one of the things I've learned from Amy over the years, we've known Brian and Amy for a really long time. If I'm ever going through something and I, you know, kind of share it with her and ask her for prayer, she will stop right then and pray. And I think that's really important. It's, easy it's just to because say, I have terrible memory and I'll probably forget <laughs> to pray for you. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it in that moment. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good thing to do because sometimes we get busy and we'll forget, oh, I, you know, I forgot I, would, I said I would pray for that person. But um, definitely prayer is a, the number one way that we can fight for our family. And I think another tangible thing that God has given us um, is the Word of God. And in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I love the verse in Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word illuminates. It reveals to us the good and bad. It reveals to us the wise and the unwise things. And it's crucial for our everyday life. It's crucial in 
the fight for our family. Um, when my boys were barely old enough to speak, I started trying to teach them scripture. I wanted it to be in their heart. And however I could get them interested, whether we made up a song to the fruit of the spirit, which they still know to this day, (laughs) Um, or we would make motions to verses or we'd write them out and draw little pictures. But I wanted that to be something that they started early on to have in their heart. And in the back of my Bible, I've written out just references and verses that deal strictly with raising a family and marriage. And when I'm in my time of desperation and I feel like I may throw something or someone out the window, <laughs> this is what I refer to. And it's, it's crucial for me. Um, I remember one time my son, Will, was just a toddler and he had kind of had a disobedient day And I really wanted him to know, you know, here's what God's word says about your disobedience. So when I was tucking him in that night, I sat next to his bed and I said, Will, here's what Proverbs says about how you acted today. It says that a son that mocks his father, his eyes will be plucked out by the ravens. (laughs) So, you know... Hope you have sweet dreams. I bet he slept great. <laughs> Love you. Good night. Okay, I'm turning out the light now. So um, sweet dreams, honey. It's in here. It's in here. It's God's Love word. You. That's Proverbs 30:17, by the way. If anybody, if anybody needs to use it, and it also says that that they will be eaten by vultures. So um, that's where you drew the line, right there. Yeah, I drew the Just line. Size. I had mercy. At that's the... why they have 20 nightlights all around their rooms, even now <laughs> in middle school. Yes. To this day. But, you know, all that to say we, we do need to have God's word mm-hmm. in our heart because it's truth. And all of the other influences in our world, in our culture, are going to tell us lies. They're going to tell us things like we don't have what it takes to raise a family. We don't have what it takes to fight. We don't have what it takes to be a good wife. And we're not strong enough. But we are, and we need to put on the full armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, where we dress ourselves in the armor and the truth of God, and then we take hold of our weapon, which the Bible refers to as a sword. It's a hot pink and green sword, <laughs> that it, but it's the word of God, and it's what allows us to attack You know, without our sword, we're really nothing more than heavily armored moving targets, which, yes, with that armor, we can deflect the arrows of the enemy, but we've got to be proactive and we've got to fight using the word of God. And I would say, you know, write scripture throughout your home so that you constantly see it, so that you're constantly reminded of God's truth and just read it as much as you can. And I want to encourage you to read the actual Bible I am a huge fan of cute devotional books, and I love seeing um, encouraging devotional posts on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but I'm just telling you, there's no substitute Mm -hmm. for God's word, for God's holy word, and it's something that we need to have in our lives every single day. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
So I can see all over Paulding County, on the refrigerators all over Paulding County, it's going to be Proverbs 3017 <laughs> on all the refrigerators. And parents going, mm, Proverbs 3017, right there. You better behave. You better listen. So <laughs> I just want to tell both of you, I, I love the fact that you answered those questions the way that you did because I think that you pointed out two things, both prayer and God's word that God has given to us as powerful, powerful tools. And what's been neat, was neat for me to hear and listening in was how you guys have appropriated those each within your family dynamic. Mm. And that was really good. It's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So I just was wondering and, and wanted to ask you this question. So last week we talked about the role that men play. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think uh, specifically in the fight for our families do women, what role do women specifically play and how does that differ in your minds from the role that men play in the fight for their families? Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that we are all created in God's image and yet women are created very uniquely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's something that runs deep in our DNA as women and that is the gift of influence. There's women all throughout history that God has used um, to change the world, and it was because of the influence that he gave them. And influence can be positive, and it can be negative. We see, like, in the Bible, obviously, there's Eve who influenced Adam in a negative way to sin along with her. And I think of the story of Samson and Delilah where Scripture says she literally nagged him to death. And I don't want to see any husbands nodding their heads right now to that. But um, a positive example of that in the Bible is one of my favorite stories of Esther, who she asked God for persuasive words to be in her mouth so that she would have favor with the king and then ultimately save God's people from being destroyed. Um, There's women all throughout history that have changed the world using their gift of influence. And I'm telling you, when women are fiercely passionate about something, they will use that gift and they will fight and be an unstoppable force. And if you don't believe me, just try to, you know, watch a woman that wants new pillows for her couch. And men, you're like, yeah, she will fight for those pillows. She will use her gift of influence to get those pillows um, for that sofa. Not that I'm speaking from experience at all on that one. But, um, but our gift of influence, when it's harnessed by the Holy Spirit, can not only change the world, but it can change the world inside our homes. Because we have this gift of influence, we also have a responsibility to be a good steward of it. And um, if we're influencing our homes in such a powerful way, then we really need to strive to be imitators of Christ. There's a verse that I love about this. It's Ephesians uh, 5, 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So a lot of times looking at our children is like looking in a mirror. And if we see our home spinning out of control or if we're walking on eggshells, or if it just seems like utter chaos, well, we kind of have to stop and look at what is our role, what does our influence have to play in that? And we may feel like, you know, our kids are so distracted, they're not engaging in conversation in our home anymore. Again, what is our role, what has our influence played in that? 
Um, Brian was sharing with me a quote that I love. It says, the enemy does not have to destroy you. He just has to distract you. And he's accomplished the same thing. And it may be time for some of us to dial out those distractions. I don't know what those distractions could be for you. I know for me, I've had seasons where I've had to put my phone down for a little bit so that I could actually have a conversation and be present with my kids. But if your family is struggling and your family is at war right now, it is time to dial out some of those distractions and let your world revolve inside the walls of your home for a season so that you can concentrate on being an imitator of Christ and being a good influence for your family. That's good. Really good. Two things kind of come to my mind when I'm thinking about how we as women can fight in our uniqueness. And the first thing is that God's really created us to be tone setters really for our home. Um, it's, a, it's a huge honor and a responsibility to be the ones that really set the tone in our house. And I was reading this past week um, a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 12, 20, and I'm sure I've read it many times before, but it kind of jumped out at me. It says, it says, um, joy fills hearts that are planning peace, mm-hmm. planning peace. And I thought we can be intentional about planning to have a peaceful house. And we as women are such a part of that because we set the tone to make our home a safe place, a place where everybody feels comfortable and everybody's loved on and then secondly, I love this one, that God created us to be rescuers. In Genesis 2, you know, God creates a man and he creates the woman to be the helper for the man. And that word helper is oftentimes translated, you know, over time as it got translated, and we finally read it in English, um, to help meet. And I was talking with Angel, I'm like, did you want to be a help meet whenever you were growing up? Oh, that's what I want to be. You know, in high school, when they ask you what you're going to be, a help meet. It just sounds so minimizing to our role, don't you think? It just sounds so, not so exciting. But um, actually, the word helper is Hebrew, and it's Azar Konegdo. And I love this so much because the meaning is rescuer. Mm-hmm. God has made these little girls who are out there running with all their heart and haven't been told that they're weak yet, and they're just going to be like something that sounds like meat, that they are rescuers, that they're lifesavers. And so it reminds me of Lord of the Rings, um, the mystical movie, and I love some of these movies, Lord of the Rings with Liv Tyler and her long black flowing hair. And I can't remember all that's happening in the movie about Aragorn, the guy, he's, um, he's injured, and then there's Frodo, when he's dying, and there's nobody left to help and she says I'll do it I'll ride and she jumps on her horse and she's just like a fierce beast and she rides and she rides and she has to go get this medicine and she's riding through the woods and there's this horrible forest and um have you seen the movie are you with me there's all these crazy spirits and they're coming after her left and right and they're riding these big black horses and she's having to fight and she makes it and she gets the medicine and she saves everything and it's like yes that's what I want to be that kind of rescuer for my family for my friends I want to be the lifesaver that God created me to be and so this verse, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 4, might sound like a little contradiction to all that, but really it's not. It says, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, <clears throat> which is so precious to God. Now, this verse doesn't say that we have to be quiet. It says that our spirit is quiet because we're trusting God Mm -hmm. to make our lives work out. So we can be fearless. We can be fearless rescuers with spirits that trust in God. Yeah. That is so good. That is, that's good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's good stuff. So 
so quickly, I, I, I want to ask you guys just, just a quick question because I know that there are gals, um, moms in here that may think this way. So they get a chance to hear your husbands up here speak every week. They know that they're pastors. They know that they study the Bible for, as part of their living, um, that, they're, that they work in the context of a church. And I'm sure that at times, if they're thinking about it, um, they would wonder if it's just different for you than it is for them, that their lives are just different than your lives, um, and it's just not going to be the same. What would you say to um, a woman who would feel that way um, that I just described? Well, I have heard women say that over the years, and, you know, I think I said earlier, we have known Brian and Amy since, I think I was like 13, and so I've known them their whole married You're life. a wee little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I've seen their marriage, and I've, I've watched how Brian leads his family. I've watched how Brian leads this church, and he is a great leader. But I look at the way that Amy has always encouraged him and edified him, and she is his number one fan. And I'm telling you, not that to take away from Brian at all, but I think I don't think he could do that in the way that he does if she wasn't standing behind him, holding his arms up when they've had, you know, sometimes through the worst of times, and then celebrating the victories together too. But yeah, we do. I do hear that a lot. But I just want to say, you know, we're not perfect. And, um, and everybody's in ministry that is a child of God. You know, we're all called. That's right. Yeah. You know, gosh, we are so, so thankful for these men that, that God has given us. But we were just talking a little bit in the last service just about this topic and that really all of us are in ministry. Mm-hmm. And you are in ministry in your cul-de-sac and your schools and your, your workplace and with your family. And we all know, you know, when we're wanting to point people towards truth or um, to salvation in Jesus, that there's like this bullseye on your back. Mm-hmm. It's like the enemy's after you when you're in ministry, which is everybody. Yeah. And you just know that he's out to get you. And that's why, you know, Angela, sometimes, sometimes you know, you do your hair and you come here and sit on the stage on Sunday morning, got ourselves together. But um, sometimes you don't see really what all is going on. Angela has been so sick in the emergency room, got two hours of sleep uh, last night. And we've just been praying her through these three services. So what all of us see in each other isn't always all there mm-hmm. is to see. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And you as ministers and we as ministers know that we would be ignorant to not realize that Satan's after all of us um, when we're following him and pointing people to him. And we just have to anchor down in his strength and his truth so that we can point people towards Christ, knowing that's not always easy. So good. That's true. That is so true. So in the time we have remaining, I just wanted to ask you, because I'm sure that this is, there, there are a number of families or, or, or moms out there that just feel like they have lost so much ground already, mm-hmm. that their families and maybe their lives, their marriages are just spiraling down further and further, and they just don't feel like that hope that you talked about mm-hmm. uh, a little bit earlier, Amy. What, what would you say to those women or those families or even the men who feel mm-hmm. that way um, right now? What would you say in the mm-hmm. time we've got left? 
Well, I would say there is hope today for you because God gives us hope. He gives us Mm -hmm. hope, not because of something that we've done or because any of us got a jump start on Christian parenting or anything like that, but God gives us hope today because of Jesus and all the things that uh, God wanted to do. He wrapped up into this package and gave it to us and said, here's Jesus. He is everything you need. Mm -hmm. So you are not too late. If the only reason like you might be able to think, oh, I'm too late or this isn't going to work out for me is if you're doing this in your own strength. And none of us can do this in our own strength. We have to take what, what God's given to us. Jesus, he is our hope for everything. You know, when you claim his strength, he gives you hope. And, And this is what I love. Hope is connected to boldness. When he gives you hope, you can be bold. You don't have to shy back and think, oh, I'm late to the game. No, God has given us hope through Jesus and you can be bold. And 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, therefore having such a hope, we use great boldness. So it kind of comes down to this for us. We think, do we believe all the stuff that's in the Bible? Do we believe what we've been taught, that he's never going to leave us? And he's really everything that we need and that we are his daughters. And he has bought us with a great and horrifying price. And that he's never, he's never going to fail us. He is always faithful to us that that gives us great yeah. hope. And then we can be bold and we can... We can fight with boldness and we can pray boldly and we can serve and love boldly and we don't have to shy back and be worried about that. We can say, yes, we can be bold because of Jesus. Um, If we have time, I wanted to read something quickly. I think we do. Okay. um, This is an awesome book. It's Beth Moore's new book, Audacious, and she writes about hope and boldness. And I'm going to read to you one quick paragraph about what she says about being bold when you have hope. She says, we want a goal that God can support because what he supports, he brings to pass. In this context, he brings it to pass through us. He'll supply the supernatural strength, the open doors, the opportunities, and abounding grace. His own indwelling spirit, the incentives, the instructions, the insight and discernment, the divine energy, the people, the partners, the favor, and every single miracle necessary to accomplish it. He'll kick down obstacles with his own foot and back off enemies with his own elbows and blow the wind of the Spirit on us with his own breath. When we get behind the same goal God has for us, we're going to get all the provision we need because the credit's pre-approved and that's no small thing Mm -hmm. because that's what you call Mm -hmm. a guarantee. So we we have hope and boldness today, whoever you are, because of Jesus. I love that. We get behind what God has Mm -hmm. for us. It's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. I love that, Angela. Preach. What would you, <laughs> preach it, girl? Like, keep preaching. Preach it, <laughs> Angela. What would you? We're gonna say? like come off of our chair. We're gonna start coming down the aisle. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say you know if you feel that way today, if you feel like you've already lost ground, or you feel like your family is spinning out of control, and you just don't even know where to begin to start to fight for your family, well, make today a fresh start. Mm-hmm. You know, wipe the slate clean and forgive the past hurts and start again today. There's a verse in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, which means every day we can have a fresh start and we can begin it with Jesus. What does that look like? Maybe for some of you today, it looks like just saying, God, here's my life. Here's my family. 
I'm, a, I'm surrendering it to you, and I'm asking you to invade my world. Please just make beauty out of the mess that my mm-hmm. family or my life has become. And give me hope for each day. Give me strength for each day. Some of you may need to transform your thinking and realize the call that God has for you to fight for your family in a way that nobody else can. You may need to make a move from kind of treating your husband maybe like he's not good enough to being his number one cheerleader and see how that works. Um, You may need to move from passively watching your family spinning out of control to standing up and, and fighting for your family with the tools that God's given you. You're not helpless. Mm-hmm. If you're a child of God, mm-hmm. you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And I want to tell each one of you women in here today, everybody in here today, you're stronger than you give yourself credit for, not because of anything that you've done or that you can do, but because of everything that Jesus yes. has done for you. Um, Today's a new day. Start praying for your families. Start reading God's word for your families. Start reading his word over them. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. You can just open your Bible and read it. It's alive. It's active. It's powerful. It's for today just as much as it was thousands of years ago. And by the way, when the Bible is spoken out loud, the enemy will flee. And if you feel like the enemy has a hold of you today or your family. You need to know this from God's word. There is no enemy that God has not already defeated. So you need to fight from victory, mm-hmm. fight from the victory. Brian's been talking about this. In this verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. it says that thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, ladies, I hope... I hope that you have been encouraged today, um, and we just wanted to have this chat with these two fantastic um, wives and mothers and women of our church, just to encourage you and to know that you're important, and the Bible has some very powerful things to help you in your, um, in your role as the mother and the wife and the leader of in the home as well as your husbands. Amy, um, as we kind of conclude our time, I just thought it would be powerful if you, as our senior pastor's wife, would be willing to um, just pray over any last things you want to say and then maybe pray over um, our ladies and our families. Sure, I'll be glad to do that. Why don't we bow our heads and let's pray together. You know, for those of you ladies who are sitting here today, or for you men, um, students, kids, um, you might be looking at this whole topic of fight. You might be thinking um, hope and Jesus and and all of this. Maybe you don't even really know Jesus, or there's an emptiness inside. And I just want to let you know that what he did for you on the cross was enough to get you all the way to heaven. It's no, no amount of good works or shaping yourself up could ever get any of us to heaven but we get there because of Jesus and his payment. And you can just tell him that, God, you died for me. Um, You're my way to heaven. Please be my savior. And he will save you today and totally change your life. God, I just want to thank you for these amazing women at Westridge Church. We have women who are warriors, rescuers, fighting for their families. And God, we have um, men, we have singles, we have 
We have students who are, who are fighters. And Lord, you have given us all the hope that we need in Jesus. Lord, may we be able to fight not with our families, but fighting for our families because of what you have done and the strength that you give to us. And thank you for these amazing people at Westridge and how blessed we all are, Lord. Um, to be around these awesome people. And Lord, for the woman here today who may feel like she is without hope, Lord, would you reach down and touch her and encourage her today and let her know that she is a winner and a fighter and that you give her everything that she needs because you are her daughter. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.